0: I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time, though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion-dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, These entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? social media influencer, or startup founder. That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider, and welcome to Young Smart Money. welcome back to young smart money with me your host apple Kreider. today we're sitting down with zachary blumenfeld uh, to talk about among other things culture and uh starting an event so zachary is the founder of culturecon um conference that in uh 2019 had over 400 attendees um, coming together and learning about workplace culture. It will make an effective workplace culture. So we're sitting down with him to figure out how he and sort of dissect how he uh, started this conference a few years ago. Um, Grew it to a 400 person conference and is continuing to grow it um, further and further every single year. And then diving deeper into the culture side of things as well. Um, I know a lot of you guys have um, businesses that you're starting or you're interested in starting one. And so culture is is super important as I am learning more and more um, every single day. as I'm continuing to to build my team, bring people on board, um, it's been more and more apparent on the importance of having an effective culture, making sure everybody is in the right place. And uh, that is what Zachary specializes in. So that's what we're going to be uh, diving into so we're also going to be talking about sort of how to bring your ideas to reality because this conference culture con was something that, that Zachary was kind of stewing on for for quite a number of years before he actually ended up taking action So um, if you're in the place where you're, you're having these ideas, you're tossing them around over and over and over um, You have these really good ideas We're going to sort of uh, dive into exactly what you need to be doing to take that from uh, an idea and really turn that into a reality now, before we hop into the episode, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Um, there's a couple pieces of uh, kind of housekeeping that I want to dive into um, as well, just kind of fill you guys in on what's been going on here. Because, um, as some of you may have noticed, um, there hasn't been an episode for about a month and a half, and that has been for a variety of reasons. Um, one of which is that I have uh, known that I was going to pivot the show for uh, quite a number of months now, but I wasn't exactly sure where I wanted to take it. Um, uh, the show's been doing doing. Fairly well, um, to be honest with you guys. But I, I, I wasn't really feeling as fulfilled as when I started. Um, one of the reasons being that um, there's really no shortage of entrepreneur interview podcasts at this point. I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's not it's not a difficult task to find uh, hundreds, thousands of um, podcasts where, where, where hosts are just sitting down with entrepreneurs, hearing their story, getting getting some some takeaways here and there. And and uh, honestly, I have nothing against those, those kind of podcasts. I just had known for a while that that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to create something that was more specific, more engaging uh, for me, but then also for you as the listener, as the viewer. So uh, that's sort of where this pivot came in and I was just on a 10 day silent retreat, uh, meditating for about 12 hours a day. And so with all of that time, all that space, no communication, I, uh, I had some time to sort of sit with my thoughts and kind of realized uh, what I wanted to turn Young Smart money into. And so what we're going to be doing going forward, is really honing in on the personal finance side of things. So as opposed to just being an entrepreneur interview show, uh, the show is going to be focused on personal finance for young entrepreneurs. As a young entrepreneur myself and as a huge personal finance nerd, uh, this is what I'm genuinely interested in. So this is what we're going to be talking about moving forward. So there are three uh, episodes left of uh, season one, chapter one, whatever you want to call it, um, but we're doing more of the entrepreneurship interview side of things. So this is one of them. we got two more coming up over the next week. Week, so stay tuned for those. Uh, but then After that, going forward, it's going to be personal finance for young entrepreneurs from here on out. I've got a lot of amazing things planned. Um, to give you guys a little bit of a preview, um, one of the series I'm going to be working on is um, I'm going to kind of document my process to accumulating a million credit card reward points by my birthday this year, which is in December. So over the next 11 or so months, I'm going to probably put out one piece of content a month. i um, just kind of filling you guys in on, on what I'm doing to accumulate those points. I'm a huge credit card nerd Um, i've got about 10 credit cards right now i'm going to continue to to, to amass more over the next um, calendar year um, over the next 11 or so months so that's one thing i'm going to be doing i'm going to be bringing on uh, people who are very knowledgeable about personal finance okay so i'm moving away from the guru side of things um i have nothing against online gurus and people who are teaching you how to make money online and whatever, but that's not what this show is going to be moving forward. So talking to financial planners that specialize in working with young entrepreneurs is something that I'm going to be doing, Um, figuring out how to um, pay a a reasonable amount in taxes and just kind of being more knowledgeable about the tax space, about the credit card space, about uh, even just maximizing your profit margins as a business, uh, business structures, all that good stuff. So that's what the show is going to be more going forward Uh, if that's not something you're interested in I'm sorry but there are plenty of other entrepreneurship interview shows that I'd be happy to direct you to so if you if you're for some reason can't find any shoot me a DM and I'll and I'll point you in the right direction to some good ones but um, that is what young smart money is going to be going forward again uh, this episode and then two more of the entrepreneurship interview type things and these episodes are going to be amazing I'm super excited for you to um, enjoy them but going forward um, there's not going to be much if any of that Um, in addition I am going to make a couple uh, episodes here in in the next couple of weeks as well, once uh, season two, chapter two, whatever starts um, about the meditation retreat, because I did get a lot out of that. I mean, <laughs> being being silent for for ten days, no communication, no eye contact, um, no no technology, um, and being able to meditate for twelve hours a day really. Uh, does a lot for a person so (laughs) I've got a lot to say about that so um, that'll be coming up in the next couple weeks as well Uh, but in the meantime um, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview that I did with Zachary Um, so sit back relax and uh, I'm excited for you guys to learn some more about culture and about creating an in-person event all right, so we're sitting down today with Zach Blumenfeld. Zach, how are you uh, doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, 100%. Welcome to Young Smart Money. I'm excited to chat it up. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Sweet. So for the listeners that uh, aren't familiar with you and uh, sort of what you've been up to over the last, uh, I don't even know how many years, um, just sort of fill the listeners in on sort of where you're at right now in terms of like what are kind of the main projects you're working on. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: so I'm Zach. I'm a serial entrepreneur based out of Madison, Wisconsin. Um I've had a bunch of different startups over the years. Right now I'm focusing on a few different projects, but my, uh, I call it my passion project right now is CultureCon, uh, which is a workplace culture uh, conference. Uh, our mission is to impact the workplace by connecting humans to inspire positive change around organizational culture. So it's super meaningful work and really fun to get people together and. Um, We call them culture geeks, so they all get together and geek out on culture, and it's a a really cool experience. Sweet. Well, I want to
0: dive into kind of both sides of that. First of all, like the event side, and then also like building a culture. So talk to us about sort of that process of of starting the actual event, because a lot of people... Um. have sort of have have asked me about like, how do you start a physical event? And I'm like, I have no idea. I've never done it before. So as someone who has built that, I mean, hundreds of people uh, attended last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah. We
1: had a little over 400 people Jeez. and we've already sold uh, over hundred tickets for our third mm-hmm. annual conference, which will be uh, August of 2020. So it's going to be bigger and better than wow. last year. Um, yeah. I, I think an entrepreneur's biggest challenge is actually like putting their idea on paper and going forward with their idea. Cause you hear so many people that have great ideas, but they never take that next step to go forward with it. So I had that same challenge. I had this idea in my head for um, a number of years. And then finally I, I started pressure testing the idea, talking to people and seeing, um, you know, is this something that would be of interest and got a lot of really good feedback. Um, I think as we were doing our research, the challenge around workplace culture, the conversation kept growing. Yeah. So that was very helpful as well. Um, I'm a big practicer of Lean Startup Model and Design Thinking, so we kind of use that method, uh, the methods to kind of influence our design of CultureCon. So we started with a, uh, a mini CultureCon, we called it in anticipation of the big event CultureCon. Mm-hmm. So we had it um, almost three years ago right now, um, it was February, it was at the concourse downtown, it was a cold winter night, we are <laughs> like, let's try to get 50 people in the room. And if we can get 50 people in the room, we'd move forward with a large scale event. So we actually had to expand the room size. We had over a hundred people. So wow. a big day and we're like, all right, no event planning experience, <laughs> but we'll try to move forward and plan a large scale event. So that's that's what we did.
0: Okay, sweet. And a couple words you mentioned there, like lean startup and design thinking. Can you sort of outline those a little bit for the listeners if they don't know what that is? Yeah, yeah, so there are different methods that you can use
1: when starting companies. Um, a lot of times you see people have an idea, maybe they raise money right away, or they have funding and they just go balls the walls, really, really finish it, really go at their startup idea. And then they get to the final product and they realize they haven't talked to anyone. It doesn't work. So this is kind of taking a step backwards and really kind of creating that MVP product. So the V1 that isn't going to have all the bells and whistles, it could even be like a cardboard cutout of your product, but getting initial feedback um, from your potential customer, whoever would be that influencer. So starting small and iterating constantly on that feedback Um, and it's a constant process, but that really helps you start to develop your ideas. Um, we kind of say, just throw shit at the wall, see what sticks and, uh, kind of go from there. So that's kind of what we talk about with design thinking and startups. Sweet. And I'm a
0: huge fan of that MVP or like a minimum viable product, just idea. Whenever I want to start a new project, it's always like, instead of just going, yeah, balls to the walls for this thing for like weeks and weeks and weeks, and then seeing if it does anything, I'm more of the mindset of like, okay, let's see, like, how can I do this on a small scale or like. Do something that i can test quickly Mm -hmm. and then yeah kind of get that feedback and and be able to iterate from there so i'm a huge huge advocate of that model totally right on sorry to hop in but it's time for the young smart money review of the day all right this one comes from rob one three six six one five who says great content found this profile on instagram a few months back after reaching out to him he directed me over to his podcast he's always got great content whether it's a guest sharing new insight or just his own it's always great stuff plus i listen on double speed and can still understand him lol well rob that's impressive i don't know if i could understand myself at double speed so um proud of you for taking it on for the rest of y'all, if you want to get featured like Rob did in the next episode, all you gotta do is head over to iTunes or Castbox and I'll leave Young Smart Money a rating and review with your thoughts, and um, you'll be entered in to get featured tomorrow. So uh, let's get back to the interview. Bouncing back to the CultureCon, how did you get those hundred people to show up on a on a cold February evening? Yeah, it was a, since it was a local
1: event, the first one. It was a lot of just kind of working our network. We already had different. Um, Pockets of people or organizations of people that were very interested in the conversation that we talked to before. So it was inviting them. We did some kind of basic advertising on social media, some Facebook marketing, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, And yeah, I think a lot of it was word of mouth. People had never seen an event like this, especially in Madison before. um, And they were excited about that. And so they wanted to come check it out. Um, Our goal wasn't to really make money. Um, It was more just to like test out our concept, going back to MVP. And then if it worked, it'd be great
0: marketing to actually have
1: people at an event for the big event a few months down the road.
0: Yeah, 100%. So in terms of um, sort of bringing in, did you bring in speakers? <coughs> Was it just like people in your network that you invited to speak? Or how did that sort of work for bringing in like experts in the area?
1: Yeah, so we, um, we had a team of about five or six folks that kind of helped build culture on the first year. And we just reached out to people in our network who were kind of industry experts and had some experience either Kind of scaling a company or we're in charge of people or consultants and we had four really diverse just awesome speakers um mini culture cons are more of like ted talk style presentations so it was four 15 minute uh mini keynotes we call them um, and it was really focused on that was probably for an hour but on either side there was networking drinks apps um a lot of just building connections, which I think is really the magic and the secret sauce of CultureCon.
0: Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And like whenever I go to in-person events, like the, the main thing that I'm looking to, to get out of that is, is the connections and like the people that I'm meeting. So how have you been able to facilitate that at CultureCon? Because I know, like you mentioned, like that's a big part of what CultureCon is. So have there been any sort of like structured things that you've implemented or like different practices, different like scheduling things that have allowed it to, to be such a good networking place? Yeah. So I think
1: to start, it was very organic. Like we were just like, let's get people in the room and, see yeah. what happens. and luckily they were, um, very interested in like-minded folks. So it was, it was kind of easy to let that just happen. Um, each year we get better and better at kind of being more intentional with that. So it's, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for kind of more structured networking and strategizing. So things like, um, having icebreakers and different activities before the event starts while people are getting registered during meals, uh, during breaks, different things like that. Sure. All right. Do you have any specific examples of of things that have worked particularly well or? Yeah. So one thing we're trying out this year, which uh, we've seen at other conferences is called a fishbowl. Um, So it's, uh, you go to a conference a lot of times and there's a person kind of talking at you, or maybe there's like a group activity. Yeah. This is actually more of a interactive way to get people talking. So it's taking some topics that are, Um, you know, maybe tougher to talk about for some folks, but really getting people to open up and it's not for everyone because there are people that just want to sit back and that's how they learn. And, um, but this is a really cool, um, process where it's a, it's a breakout session where it's almost like a fishbowl style, um, setup. So there's people kind of in a half circle or full circle that are all, um, talking almost, it's like forcing people to talk in a group. So we take a topic, let's say like diversity, equity, inclusion, and we have maybe two or three facilitators but it's really open and it makes it more of a discussion than even an interactive like breakout session where it's just someone like hey here's a group activity it's like the whole time you're just speaking sharing being vulnerable and like hey this is something we tried but it really hasn't worked or this is something that's tried and worked for us and so people can really get a chance to share their ideas and beliefs and really strategize on sharing those best practices.
0: Sweet, that sounds super valuable and just a really good way to to get people talking. Definitely. Awesome. So how did you then transition from that first like mini culture con into like the first like real deal? Like what did that scaling up process look like and how did you sort of take that momentum that you built and and translated that into like the real the real deal? Um, It was kind of, we didn't really have any event
1: planning experience. It was really just testing and failing and learning from those (laughs) mistakes. but luckily the word got out pretty quickly. We did some advertising the first year, but it really was word of mouth. Um, So people would see our event or people in the kind of cultured world would share the event with other people. Um, And what's been really cool about like, I wouldn't say an industry, but the culture movement is that it's way different than other industries I've been a part of. So like you think about other startups or even just technology, let's say, for example, and there's a lot of competition, even in if we go down to like HR technologies the technology that's being sold to HR executives to help their um, company, whether it's payroll or employee engagement, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of competition in that industry. With culture, there's probably three other major culture conferences that have come out now, but it's been really cool to see everyone kind of work together for the most part. So it's not like, oh, my conference is over here, mm-hmm. yours is over here, let's try to steal everyone's Yeah, payments. yeah. It's like, hey, we're you know, trying to help each other out. We're all kind of aligned on our mission and really grow that together. So that's been super helpful as we've been kind of this younger conference uh, approaching our third year to have help from players on the coast, which have a lot more of the big startups yeah. and just a bigger presence out there um, to kind of funnel people to the Midwest as well, which is awesome.
0: Huh. So that, that brings to an interesting question. Have you ever thought about relocating CultureCon or is Madison kind of like its home?
1: It's, yeah, definitely it's home. I'm very passionate about Madison, the startup ecosystem we're building here. Um, so that's kind of our vow is that we'll never kind of leave uh, Madison for that main conference. The mm-hmm. mini conferences we're planning to scale and have scale to different parts of the country, but the goal is that we can kind of start building a community in that local community and make a small impact and bring them back to Madison um, in the summer for a Culture Con, the annual conference. Um, we have had some pushback from some bigger companies. I won't mention names, but I just got a call <laughs> last week and they're like, oh, this is really cool. Where does it take place? And like, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. It was a company in San Francisco. So now there is a direct flight to. <laughs> <isn't> there is a direct flight. But they were just like, oh, we usually don't send our executives to smaller markets like that, uh, especially if you don't have an office or a large presence there. And so that was not the first time I've heard that. Sure. They didn't want to come to Madison because it wasn't like a Chicago or a Boston or the Valley or anything that. But um, I think as our conference grows, uh, we'll see more of a national presence. I mean, last year alone, we represented, I think attendees came from about 20 different states in Canada. So wow. almost half the states And this year, we're already at about 18 different states, so it's grown pretty quick into more of a national presence, um, bringing them to Madison, which is really awesome to see.
0: Sweet. I dig it. So, like, what what's something that you wish you would have known before starting this event? Because I'm sure, like, with no event planning experience, you've definitely learned a lot through yeah. the iteration. So, like, what do, you, what do you wish you would have known going into it? I think probably the biggest lesson
1: I learned in regards to planning an event with lots of speakers is mm-hmm. that um, less is more. Um, so we... The first year, I think we had over 40 different speakers and wow. our, our thought process was, you know, let's get a bunch of speakers in here. The more the merrier. But the onboarding process, the speaker management, a lot of logistics, yeah, a lot of different logistics. And so the last two years, we've had about 20, maybe 30 speakers, um, which has been a lot easier to plan. Um, panels, we thought were a really cool idea, which the most time they are. But they're actually some of our lowest rated um, breakout sessions. And they're a lot harder to plan because you have the logistics of five people instead of one yeah. person for one session. Um, so we've kind of scaled back the breakouts and the amount of speakers. Um, and it's been a lot easier of a process for us. I mean, we have hundreds of people that apply just for the one conference. So the, it's a process in itself just to go through. Our speaker committee goes through and does a great job at ranking those and kind of prioritizing who we reach out to and accept first. Um, so, only having twenty spots versus you know fifty spots is a, a lot easier. I would imagine.
0: So, you mentioned like ratings on the breakouts. How do you measure that? So, we have a rating
1: process that we have a speaker committee of about five people that goes through all the speaker applications, um, rating them on their past speaking experience a lot of times if they can submit a video then we can rank like how their actual presentation style is sure Um, the big thing we look for is uh, the topic the title how they're going to engage the audience Mm -hmm. Um, and that just we want to make sure the title and the description go along with our mission and what we're trying to get get out of the conference and then we also want to make sure that it's a very diverse group of speakers so not only that, the topics are diverse, so it's not everyone talking about. You know, let's create a culture of innovation, but it's yeah. you know, DEI, it's employee engagement, it's um, innovation, it's everything that kind of goes with this nebulous word of culture. Um, we mm-hmm. want to make sure that the speaker group itself is diverse, um, so that's a lot of outreach on our part, reaching out to all types of different people and all types of industries um, and geographic locations as well. That's a big thing we're working on right now is in uh, 2020, our diversity, equity, inclusion initiative, which we're putting together a subcommittee and really be more intentional and in having a, a year long strategy
0: around that initiative. So, wow. Yeah. Sweet. So that, that, that made me think of something from the other side as well. Um, I've, I've spoken at a couple of conferences over the last like, year, year and a half, and I know a lot of the mm-hmm. listeners have or, or are at least interested in speaking at conferences as well. So like. Coming at it from somebody who, like, evaluates speaker applications, like, what should potential conference speakers know, or, like, what should they potentially incorporate to to sort of stand out from the crowd?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because there's so many people that apply, so we pick a very small percentage just based on availability. Um, I would say the big things that our speaker committee looks for is, like, a really... Really good description of what you're trying to talk about. Sometimes we get a, an application; it's very high level, and so we don't know exactly like what aspect of culture you're touching on, so True. it makes it harder to rank. Um, and then if you have past experience, make sure you really talk that up, because that's something that we look for too. Also, any videos that show your presentation style and
0: you actually giving that presentation is big. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I can. I can imagine that. Like having that actual reel of, of content that you've done before. Yeah, would be pretty valuable. Totally. I'm curious as well. You, you mentioned a couple of different committees so far. So, how many people are kind of involved on the on the back end of CultureCon and sort of making the thing a reality? So, yeah, we have five people that make up the
1: CultureCon kind of organizing team. Okay. So it's a small, lean yeah. group, but they're all we all put in a lot of time and effort because it's something we're very passionate about. And then the event itself, we have probably about 50 volunteers that kind of help make everything run from. You know, registration to logistics, showing um, speakers, setup, teardown. Uh, it's a pretty remarkable group, and everyone just kind of volunteers their time
0: to wow. try to put on the show. So, uh, <laughs> that's super. That's super cool. So, I want to kind of pivot a little bit into into more of the culture side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you? Where did this interest for culture come from? I know you mentioned you you had been thinking about starting this event for a while. So, um, just back to like the beginning of you having an interest in culture. Like, where where did that stem from? Yeah, so it started with
1: these executive roundtables we were doing, we were trying to learn more about culture itself. So we'd invite people in and just kind of ask them questions and get people talking about culture, trying to really hear the good, bad, and ugly of that, the culture in their organization. A lot of them were executives or leaders of teams. Um, And really like it was their passion that helped ignite my passion, kind of them sharing the good, bad, the ugly. It was kind of like a therapy session for them. Um, yeah. And they would always run late, these executive roundtables, because people would just kind of open up and share all that. So I saw people talking about it. I felt struggles. I've worked at companies that were, had super awesome cultures and some that were not so great. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure everyone's experienced kind of the best of both worlds there. So kind of it was a mix of all these kind of put together that really inspired us to start CultureCon. Um, and then just as the kind of idea was in the back of my head, that kept growing as I felt it personally in my work, as I saw other people. And then you kind of find people that were sharing this passion for workplace culture. Um, so they would, you know, we'd all get together and keep talking about it and then slowly, but surely I was like, all right, we're going to put the pen on paper and actually move forward and, and try this out. So
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's super cool. And yeah, it's a lot of times, it seems like it's just like a combination of all these different things sort of come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just, you just got to take action. So, why, why did you decide? Cause I mean, I know you've worked on, on plenty of, of projects in the past. So what, what made you decide to really commit so much time and effort and, and energy into culture Gun For me,
1: so I was a co-founder of third space yeah. workplace culture software. And I love that. I loved how it kind of touched on workplace culture and trying to make work better for people. What I became most passionate about though was, you know, culture is such a humanistic challenge we're trying to solve. And so with CultureCon, it was really that human touch point. So I could get people together. And it wasn't just the software. It was people actually in the physical setting getting together and working together to make work you know, more meaningful, fulfilling, and fun for everyone. Um, and so that's what really got me going. And I, I felt that that humanistic challenge really needed a, a human element to it. Um, so that's what really kind of pushed me to really go after the CultureCon dream sweet
0: so let's dive into into more culture stuff so uh just like high high level or however however high or low level you want to go like what what makes like a good culture i mean i know that's a pretty big question yeah. i'm sure you hear it a lot but like what what are like the foundations or like the pillars or whatever of like a good culture in an organization yeah it is a big question
1: i don't think there is a perfect culture or like a sure. perfect recipe i think each organization organization is different, um, which I'm not trying to cop out of that question, but I think there are fundamental aspects of a culture that every organization needs, and I'm a big believer in mission-driven work, so really focusing on your mission, hiring people that believe and can kind of fulfill that mission is super vital, Um, especially we were talking earlier about remote teams. That's a big aspect of that, so I'd Mm -hmm. say like having mission, vision, value kind of ironed out, um, it could be a process where it keeps changing over time. Um, But that lays the foundation for culture. And then really having your leaders believe in that, kind of preach it and be role models for that culture, a lot of times trickles down. Um, But I've seen situations where leaders have an idea of what culture is. They come up with it and don't have any buy-in from their organization. Um, you, You always have this water cooler conversation that kind of starts at the bottom but kind of bubbles up. And if the leadership kind of squashes that. It's gonna be a pretty toxic work environment. Yeah. But if you allow that to bubble up and kind of blend what leadership is talking with what the employees are talking about, you kind of co-create that culture, which is always more beneficial than just you know putting a poster on the wall that the leadership thinks will solve their culture problems. Yeah, sure.
0: So so that that brings up a lot of a lot of thoughts, um, just related to even what I'm doing right now. But like, first of all, how do you get that, that conversation sort of going between like the the higher-ups and, and the people working in the company like how do you facilitate that conversation how do you how do you start that
1: um you know it it, was, it depends on a lot of different factors so if your team is remote if mm-hmm. they're all in office um small medium large companies I say yeah. the first thing is just have that conversation which okay. is a lot more difficult than it sounds yeah. especially with large organizations that You know, it could take six months to have that first initial meeting, but just start it, have the conversation going. You can bring in a facilitator or maybe a consultant that specializes in this. And there's a bunch of people out there who have their own template of what what works best. Um, I haven't found one that's bad yet. They all seem to work. They're all slightly different. Or just kind of have an organic culture committee meeting where you get people together from different departments, make sure it's very diverse, make sure it's inclusive. Um, people, I like to have people opt into those committees instead of reaching out to people and saying, Hey, you should be on this because then if someone opts in, they're more likely to really like be engaged and passionate about it. Um, but it's really just getting the conversation going. There's also some survey tools or engagement tools you can use. Those are good. Um, I would just make sure that it's not like, not like a waterfall approach. So it's not like, Hey, here's a survey. And then it takes, you know, six months to actually compile all that data. It's constant pulse surveys. Um, but that first conversation, just getting off the ground is a, a big step for a lot of organizations. Yeah, it definitely
0: is. So where I'm coming from personally, just to, just to give some, some I, I, I don't know, sort of a, a little story or a little context here. Um, I, I'm running this remote team right now. We've got about seven or so people on the team. Um, and we have, so we have, I think you mentioned like vision, mission, and values. We, we have a vision, mission, and principles. And we have it on paper, but it's not really like a part of the organization. It's not really like a part of the culture how how have you seen organizations or how would you recommend an organization effectively takes those like things that they've committed to paper that they've said are important and like communicate those with the team and just sort of bring that whole thing together in like a beautiful like Mm -hmm. masterpiece yeah it's easier said than done especially with
1: a remote team um but something Mm -hmm. simple i mean i do this in my daily life is i do gratitude journaling every morning and I have a that journal and I have my five values that I kind of live by and set goals by, um, right on a piece of paper on the front page. And so if I'm ever struggling to go into a meeting, I'm like, oh, I don't want to meet with Jim. I don't think I know anyone named Jim. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I'm struggling to get to this meeting. I think it's going to be boring. I kind of look at my values and say, okay, what of my five values is one that I can bring forward or work on practice on in this meeting. And it could be the same thing with your values. Maybe your principles or mission, print that off. Maybe it's a piece of paper that people can keep by their desk. Um, and it's something that interlines with every part of your business. So when you're making decisions, um, even if, let's say, you get this great contract that comes in, but your mission's don't align, maybe doesn't kind of align with your values or your principles, um, maybe you don't go after that opportunity anymore. So I think it touches on all aspects, even your hiring process, firing process, marketing um, there's a way to intertwine it with all parts of your business.
0: Yeah, totally. That that, that makes a lot of sense, and just having that be a more uh, a bigger like focal point, and just having people yeah refer to that more and, and use that more to guide their decisions, I think would be a really effective at least tool for me to, to start implementing. Definitely, definitely. And you
1: can kind of ask the the folks you work with on your team, like this is our DNA of our company. How do we get it into other parts of our? Our organization, and you know, maybe your employees have some ideas. Your team members have ideas on how to do that. Um, I know, and I work for an innovation center, and we have our mission on multiple places in our company, like on the wall. So it's we're having a huge meeting, deciding different goals for 2020. Our mission is right there, front and center, to kind of remind us of why we're doing the work we do. Really, that why behind our work. Sure. That
0: makes a lot of sense. Now you mentioned hiring as well. That's, that's another area where I think it's, it's really important, especially with like a virtual team to get it right. So what are some, what are some strategies that you have found effective that you've used or that you know of to, um, effectively tell if someone that you're potentially going to hire that you're interviewing, um, is going to be a good culture fit or is going to align well with your vision, mission and values? Yeah.
1: So a lot of times what I like to do is kind of try before you buy, Yeah, um, especially with startups and virtual teams, especially because on paper someone could look great, but then they get into a virtual setting and they just, they don't have that experience to really kind of have the discipline to work remote. Um, so maybe I start with like, Hey, you know, we're interested. We really like what you brought to the table so far. Um, here's kind of our initial project we want you to work on. And then you have like two weeks or a month where you can actually work with that person, Um, And if it works out, great, but you don't have that expectation of hiring them afterwards. Um, And so if it doesn't work out, either party can be like, hey, this isn't working. Um, We tried it. Let's talk in a few months or something like that. Um, Another thing I hear a lot of is uh, culture fit, hiring for culture fit, which I like to some extent. I think there's parts of your culture, like aligning with your mission and vision and values, um, that it's very important to have that right culture fit but if people hire for culture fit, it's going to be a lot of the same people Yeah, into your organization. Um, I've had people, I've, you know, other friends that are founders and they tell stories of like people that on paper look like a horrible fit for their company. They don't have the same personality, but they become the best developers or best marketing leads they've ever had. Um, so I'd say just be careful of hiring for culture fit and keep an open mind that someone on paper or in that interview process if they have the right skills or the right personality, you can train them up on the, on the other aspects um, to get them to be a part of your culture, but they're different, so they're gonna bring in their own beliefs and values, and that could actually help your
0: company grow, especially when it comes to culture. I totally agree that that diversity and, and thought of an experience and all that stuff is, is super, super valuable. I'm curious as well, do you apply um, any kind of like personality testing or any kind of like these Myers-Briggs tests or anything when you are
1: potentially hiring someone? Uh, we haven't in the past. Um, actually, most of the companies I've worked for, we haven't done any personality testing. Okay. I know that other companies that do, I have colleagues that do, and yeah. they seem to work fine. I think as um, organizations get bigger, it becomes more of a fit. Um, but a lot of times, you know, if you're a small startup with two, maybe three people, you're looking for that fourth hire, um, you need someone who has that kind of culture fit because you're such a small team at the early stages um, so you can find a lot of that out just by maybe doing a, a month trial or, you know, really getting to know them in the interview process. Yeah, I totally agree. And that
0: the whole tribe before you buy process, I'm a huge advocate of that. That's mm-hmm. what I do for, for every hire that I awesome. make, especially like virtual teams. Um, so important to see what people's work actually looks like as part of a team. Like mm-hmm. it's great to see their portfolio and things they've done in the past and experiences, but like until you've worked with them on some kind of project, you don't exactly know, like, is this really a good fit or does it just kind of look on a paper? Right. Totally. Awesome. So um Zach, I'm super grateful for your time. I have a couple of questions that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. Are sure you uh, feeling like right for those? Let's do it. Let's do it. First of which is uh, what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? It could be in your business, could be in the wider realm of, of your life, but like
1: what's got you fired up? Um culture kind in general okay. fired <laughs> up. I, I would say specifically though, the growth we're seeing. Um last year at this time we had about seven tickets sold and now we're over a hundred already. Yeah. So the growth is pretty remarkable to the point where it's like, I don't know where, you know, 2021, where we're going to host it in Madison with the, the size we'll have. Um, but it's also seen the impact we're making and the results that um, our culture community is sharing with us. So, um, you know, we, we put on these forums, these events, and the goal is really to make an impact and be intentional about that. And if people come and have a great time, that's great. But if they go back to their office the day after and forget everything, like most conferences, yeah, it, it's not doing any good. So people are sharing what's working but also they're being vulnerable and sharing what hasn't worked because um, I think some things may not work at one company, but work at another organization. Um, so it's cool that people are sharing both sides of it. So the impact we're making and the kind of the growth of the community around CultureCon itself is really exciting and kind of pushing us to be even
0: greater. Yeah. How do you how do you facilitate that community outside of the actual event? Like, do you have a place for people to go like outside where they can like, go, like stay in contact with everyone or?
1: Yeah, so we have a lot of people that have found um, employees, colleagues, co-founders, friends, and just kind of keep that one-to-one connection. Uh, we also have an online community. We hold monthly webinars, and oh, wow. we, uh, we're working on really kind of taking this uh, this CultureCon community and taking it to the next level in 2020, so
0: being more intentional about the programming around that. Cool. Awesome. Um, I'm also curious, um, do you have any... Uh, people that you particularly look up to in terms of like content that you consume? So like people whose books you're reading regularly, blogs you're reading, uh, YouTube channels, podcasts that you're frequently consuming?
1: Yeah. So there's a few
0: folks. I mean,
1: honestly, people submit so many blogs to our culture. Podcast uh, yeah. So just reading through those is pretty amazing because they're all, a lot of them are past speakers or people in our network. Um, so I really enjoy just reading those. And it's like, you know, constant blog submissions. So we get to Take a look at a variety of different topics so that's really awesome And then each month for our culture con community we have webinars we host and they're all different topics and so i really enjoy tuning into those um just because it's usually a past speaker sometimes it's a new person and it just kind of keeps us fresh on like what trends are happening what people in our community are really looking for asking for help with um i also look at you know kind of a lot of the hr blogs that have uh, you know a part of culture con or culture in them um and just anything around Human aspects and personal aspects as well. Um, so yeah, that's really what I, I kind of tune in. And I'm busy, guys. So like, I don't have a lot of time to look at the, a lot of podcasts and YouTube channels. But I usually get enough just from our own content and guest bloggers that kind of keeps me busy and learning. So that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business or your lifestyle? Uh, listen more than talk is kind of a big one I love because I love just hearing what people have to say and I learn so much from every conversation so I try to s- never say no to a coffee or a conversation because um, I find even the ones I don't think we're a good match and will bring a lot of value to each other are sometimes the ones where I have like an aha moment or I'm able to make a connection for them that can really help them or their business so um, I just try to meet as many people as possible. Kind of put myself out there in that position, and I, I've learned a, a ton from it as well. So, cool. I mean, that's enough of that.
0: How do you how do you manage your time with with all of the obligations that you have? Podcasts you do, conversations you have. Like,
1: what is that it's like? Uh, it's tough. Um, I've been really good at maximizing my time lately. Like phone calls, doing in between meetings in the car. Um, people who are able to get up earlier can have an early morning coffee before the. The, the day starts or lunch meetings, drinks, happy hours, things like that. Um, and just trying to work on maximizing my time. So if I can, you know, squeeze it in a half hour, uh, that's great. But also being mindful of like this could be a super interesting conversation. I don't want to cut short or not put enough like personal effort or time uh into that conversation. So um there's been conversations I had just one yesterday where it's like we had a half hour schedule, but we were it was a great conversation. We we're going way over that half hour. So sort of saying, hey after run but let's get something on the calendar now so we can keep this conversation going and we have the call scheduled for tomorrow so it's just being mindful of that time commitment but also um not just kind of like laying back and not putting in the effort to have that conversation because you never know what will come out of it sure that totally
0: makes sense well uh zach where can the listeners go if they've been enjoying the value you've been dropping where can they go to follow up with you culture con and just all the cool stuff you're working on um, yeah. So feel free to add me on
1: LinkedIn, on uh, Instagram or Twitter, Zach Bloom or CultureConUSA.org. You can join the CultureCon community or um, reach out through our contact form and, and get more involved that way. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Well, Zach, do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, and anything you want to leave the listeners with today on Young Smart Money? Um, yeah, I would say just be very intentional and kind of have a, take notice of the people you're working with and the culture you're building. Um, and if you need any help, reach out to us. We're happy to help you or put you in contact with people who can help you with those specific challenges. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Really happy to be here. Yeah. Love what you're doing. It's been a blast. Happy to connect. Awesome. Thank you. Sweet. you
0: bada bing bada boom that is a wrap guys i hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of young smart money if you did you know what to do um drop us a five star review on itunes it would mean the world to me i literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up fired up every single morning so you take the time literally it's like five seconds to drop a review if you're in the podcast app literally just go to young smart money scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom there'll be a section that says write a review if you could drop me all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns, I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them. Um, And I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if y'all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast, turned it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's m- a little bit more than a cheat sheet. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, um, again, completely free, just head over to applecrider.com cheat sheet. That's applecrider.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't me to spell it though, because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecredit.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet, how I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it. Cause I see these guys making videos on YouTube, teaching you like the, the, bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download link. will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day, wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on young smart money.